hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey, guys, it's Joey Ryan with Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. I'm so excited today. The, the YouTube channel is up over 1,200 subscribers. Thank you guys so much for your support. And if you're new to the channel, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We have new content coming out, at least one interview a week, normally two. And I'm just having a blast with this, and I'm going to keep pushing forward. So today's guest is really an awesome, awesome one-pocket player. In fact, he's top five in the world. We just ranked him on our one-pocket uh power ranking. So if you haven't checked out that video, check it out. Myself, Melina Mike, Mike Davis, and Oscar Dominguez ranked about 15 one pocket players in the world. And then we go through each of them and talk about it. And so Tony shook out at number four, right behind three Filipinos. And you'll have to check it out to see who those were. But today uh, with this interview, I want to share with you some of the things that Tony and I talked about. Uh, we talked about how he got his start at pool and really how he came to specialize in one pocket. He goes through some of the different matches that he's had and some advice for players out there. And then finally, he talks about who he'd like to match up with next, which I think you'll find interesting. It's a little rematch. So uh, hopefully there's some action brewing on that one. Also, I want to point out, you'll notice on my head, this is Tony's apparel brand. I love supporting the players that come on this podcast. Uh, so if you're interested in his game tight apparel, then hit him up on Facebook, follow him, shoot him a message. He's really good about replying to messages. In fact, a couple times in this video, you'll hear his phone going off as he was getting messages about his apparel line. Um, but yeah, I shot him a message. I said, Tony, I'd like one of your hats. Uh, the next day he shot me a message and it shipped. And so really good to do business with. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tony Chohan. Hey, Tony, how's it going? Great. Thanks for having me, Joey. You know, I really appreciate it. I see you trying to expand the game and I'm just glad to be able to, you know, share some knowledge and answer some questions and, you know, maybe tell some stories, whatever I can do to try to help and, you know, just make sure I can give you the right answers to everything that you ask me. Awesome, man. So uh, let me just start with how did you get started playing pool? So when I was young, before I started playing pool, I started to, we used to go bowling, me and my cousin. So my cousin's a very good pool player too. And um, he doesn't play quite as much anymore, but we, you know, as young, you know, I was like 14, he was about 17. We used to play Mortal Kombat to, you know, the arcade games. And, and the only place that had it was about a, was at a pool room that was probably about a half a mile walk, you know, from my house. So me and him would always go to that pool room and just, you know, go play at that place and, and a pizza place that was nearby, you know, so we would go over there and, you know, spend five, ten dollars and quarters playing video games all day, you know, and it was just kind of one of those things. And then so at the pool room, we would go in there probably once a day, at least, I'm sure. Right. You know, as kids, you're going to sit there and play arcade games because, you know, we're talking about I want to say it's like ninety. 596 right around there you know when all the good games are starting to come out so they had the mortal kombat 2 there the street fighter 2 and all that stuff so we'd go play and, and then the, the guy that owned the place it was a 
it was a family owned pool room. You know, they all, they all just, uh, you know, they got, they were super cool. Like it was, it's like a one of a kind type of spot. Like if you spent, if you paid with the $20 bill and said your tab was four bucks, you were going to get eight $2 bills back. Hmm. Like that's how he paid. Like that was his thing. Like whenever he paid people, it was always with $2 bills. So I think every time he went to the bank, he probably got thousands of dollars in $2 bills, you know? Yeah. But it was just his thing. So, but then on Sundays they ran a free tournament for 18 and under, uh, juniors. So anybody that wanted to come, you'd win $15 for first and like second would pay like five bucks or something. So, you know, as a kid, you're like, Oh, well, you know, all I gotta do is try to win, you know, Hey, I'm a, if I win, we got arcade money or whatever, you know, so <laughs> just one of the things, you know, kind of picked up from there and then, you know, played for a little bit. And then my cousin, he kind of took it a little more serious and I was, I was still in school and I was like, you know, so I would just, my parents were kind of strict. They didn't ever want me to sit in the pool room all day long. You know, they're like, you know, Hey, you can't just be, you know, running off and doing this every single day. You gotta do your homework, you know, go play sports or do something, you know? Mm. So I'd play, you know, and, I probably play two, three times a week, you know, on the weekends. Um, so one thing led to another, you know, and he, my cousin got better fast, you know, and I kind of just started to, you know, he, you know, he'd help me out a little bit along the way, you know, and, you know, and just the, you know, after a few months, the gambling aspect of the pool world come, you know, you could start seeing people in the pool room are been 20 or 50, you know, and that was big money to me, you know, I'm like, Oh, they're playing for 20, $50, you know, playing a race to seven or whatever. Which, you know, nowadays that's nothing, right? But back then, you know, you're like, hey, you know, that's uh, something. So just kind of one of those things and just kind of then some other guys, you know, along the way, you know, there's other people that seen us playing and started to see potential. Well, you know, most of them went through my cousin because he was the better player and he was jumping up real fast, you know. But, you know, I would start. So after the first pool room, there was another pool room that was the actual like a mecca of pool rooms, you know, for that era, you know, so, and we had a midget, his name was, uh, Wayno. we call him Lil, Lil Wayne, you know, so, <laughs> and he, he, there were twin midgets, right, Chinese twin mate, twin midgets, but the one, you know, his brother never usually come in, but there were twin midgets, but they had a hustle, you know, back in those days, like, if you came to play one of them, and they gambled good, you know what I mean, like, I, I used to play gin with them when I was young. You know, I used to work in my dad's store and stuff, you know, like when I was a kid. But, uh, and I'm talking about when I'm, now it's like I'm 15, 16 or so, you know, at this time. But it was called Great American Billiards. Hmm. And it was in Sacramento, California. So it was like, it's where Hard Time Sacramento is now. Okay. So before they changed it to Hard Time Sacramento, it was always called Great American Billiards. And Great American Billiards was in that you know, you could go in the pool room and come in the back room. You'd feel the nostalgia like you wouldn't at any pool room probably ever because there was pictures everywhere of all, you know, great players. Um, the back room was always sit there with, you know, theater type seating. You know, I mean, you might find somebody sleeping back there. You might find somebody, you know, they might be playing for two days. You never know. You know, it was just one of those kind of things. Right. So. Yeah. You know, but it, it was a great pool room. So, anyways, I used to play gin with the with the owner. I'd go in his office, and we'd just sit there and play gin all day. And he'd be smoking cigarettes nonstop, Paul Malls. I mean, he, and what's crazy is he's still alive to this day. They told him he would never. They told him he would probably never make it past like I think it was like twenty or thirty years old. 
you know? And uh, I bet you he's 80. Jeez. I mean, and still going. I mean, his, his brain's still there, everything. Like, we talk to him once in a while. I mean, it's it, it's an eerie feeling. Like, like, the guy was a solid guy, like, always helped me out when I was a kid, whatever. I used to play him 100 a game, one pocket back then, and he played with the bridge, you know, because, he, you know, he's a midget, right? But he played good for a guy that played with the bridge. Like, he would spot me, like, 8'7". You know, so, and, you know, I'm not saying, like, I was able to play with them at 8-7, but I always, when I was coming up, I was always playing, there was four or five guys that I played 10 or $20 a game pool room, pool with, or I play races to three for 50, you know, or play, you know, just anything, you know, to keep it going. I was just always a gambler. I always wanted to gamble for something because I felt like if you're playing for nothing, you never could, earn. there's no, um, there's no punishment for losing, right? You know, yeah. there's no reward for winning. There's no punishment for losing. So to me, that never made me want to try harder. Like, I mean, we used to, I mean, I guess you could say we were just always gamblers because even me and my cousin, we would just sit there and play. Like, we might get Christmas money and we might go in the room and shoot dice for it. Like, we were just, we were just <laughs> like that. So it was just bad. You know? That's funny. Just one of the things, you know, but we've always been competitive. So I guess that's kind of one of the things that made us, you know, want to get better at everything and, you know, but I, you know, so it was just one of those things. And then I want to say the time, you know, I had about 18. As soon as I graduated from high school, I turned 18. My cousin had gone on some road trips out of the state and stuff, and I never had. You know, I, was, I always went in the state, but I never went outside of California at the time. So I kind of told myself, you know, I said, you know, he's like, he's like, man, let's just go. He's like, man, you can come with me, you know, and we'll make some money or whatever. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, what's, what's the worst. So we flew to uh, Austin, Texas, and we had a friend of his pick us up from there. Long story short, we ended up staying and living in Houston for about nine months at that time. Wow. So, and then we were in action almost every day. Like it was, you know, it was a, it was a great time for pool, you know? So it was just, you know, there was always, a good amount of action, you know, it was only $500,000 sets every day, you know, you know, it's like the difference uh, is uh, the money was, you know, you could go a lot further with 500 14 years ago than you can today. Right. You yeah. know, like 500 today is, it doesn't go very far, you know? Yeah. Was your, so, uh, was your cousin, was, is that a, a Mark Hang? A Mark Hang, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I used to play, uh, in Maryland and I played on the planet pool tour and yeah. you know all of a sudden you know mccready would play on that and mike davis and brandon Schaff and guys like that yeah. and all of a sudden this guy starts showing up and we hear he's from california and he's snapping yeah. off events one after the next and we're like who the heck is this guy and it was a mark hang and yeah. so yeah that's that's interesting uh yeah. he's a good player no yeah he's a great player yeah i mean I tell you what, even till this day, one of the best nine ball sets I've probably ever seen in my life was through, uh, he played uh, Andy Quinn in Houston. We were, while we were out there, they played a set, I think it was like two or 5,000 or something like that back then. But they played, and I'll tell you what, watching them jump and kick balls in left and right, you know, running fours and fives, it's just something you don't see as much. And on tight good equipment that played good you know yeah like you know it was you know it was the gold crowns i mean you know here's the thing there's good equipment these days i mean diamonds are great you know what i'm saying but like the play of how people rack and how people are just able to it's like the same 
the cabbage patch run out, you know, it's just, that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't like rotation pool because it comes down to, you know, they're making the same ball in or whatever, you know? Yeah. Let's talk I about mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that uh, for a little bit. So, you know, I kind of figured that, you know, you were kind of behind the scenes for a while, you know, uh, yeah. doing a lot of the gambling scene and not really playing in tournaments. Um, but even with that, as, as a gambler, you had to know, like there was a certain time where it's like, Hey, I arrived, you know, I can, anybody comes to my town and wants to play one pocket, I'm playing them. Like, was there a moment where that just clicked for you and you were like, I could pretty much beat anybody in this game? I mean, I've always wanted to challenge myself anyways, you know, so I always gave the open invitation to anybody that did want to come and play. Like I, I kind of put this challenge out. I think it was late 90s or early 2000. Kind of just said, you know, I, th- I want to say it was probably early 2000. Just kind of saying best of the West, you know, if somebody wanted to come. You know, and then they would always bring up the Filipinos. And I'd be like, well, hey, anybody besides them, you know. If <laughs> you know, because it was hard. You know, in that day and age, you had Parika, you got Efren, you got, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not looking to play them guys. And they were in their prime, you know what I mean? Like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love playing. Like, I would play in the one-pocket tournaments when we have them at the Jamboree, and I'd end up playing Parika, and I would beat them, you know, sometimes. So it would be like – it was just kind of one of those things, you know. It's like I always had uh, – I always shot shots you weren't supposed to shoot. And that's, I, you know, that was just always me, you know what I mean? Like, I always wanted to try something different because I look at it as like, you know, everybody says one pocket is like chess on a pool table. It is to an extent. But in chess, there really is only like one or two right moves, right? Yeah. But in one pocket, you can change a hundred things. So there's no right or wrong shot because a hundred different things can happen and it can be right or wrong. You know what I mean? It's like there's you're never going to get the same layout for every shot you ever shoot when you're playing with 15 balls on the table, right? Yeah. You know, I... Smart. I had a question about that that I was going to ask you. So, you know, I'm a good amateur player. And, you know, I really fell in love with One Pocket when I moved to Washington, D.C. There were just tons of people that played it. And they'd play you for $5, $10 a game. So I'd play them all the time. And I just, I felt like it was the game where you could leverage every skill that you need as a pool player, except the power break, right? But kicking, banking, you know, shot making, safety play it all comes into play in one pocket and so then i start watching your videos you know on youtube and your matches and you know i remember specifically seeing the creative shots that you would find you got to be the most creative one pocket player i've seen and so i go to the pool room and i try to to emulate that and i'm like the chohan would probably do this you know and i find something and then i just completely sell out and so the thing i'm kind of struck with is you know, some of those shots, I think you're kind of looking at risk first reward, um, but they have to take a lot of courage. How do you muster up the courage to shoot some of those creative shots that you do, knowing that, you know, 20% of the time I mean, you might sell thing, out? Like, here's the thing. Like, if you look at it, and if you probably, let's just say, if you were to replay, let's just say the highlight film that we have out there on YouTube and stuff, right? Um, if we were to emulate every shot or whatever, like, I couldn't, I couldn't probably do them shots ever again I, could, I couldn't do the exact same thing twice I don't think you know when it comes to them because the balls had to lay out the right way I just had I, I mean to tell you the truth the cue I was using at the time also like I mean I always use southwest or whatever but 
I just really, it was like my second hand to tell you the truth. Cause like everything I felt like if I wanted to, you know, mass a around the ball, it, there, I knew everything I was going to do to the T regardless. And my feel was very good for that table. And I mean, I never played on the table before. So that's, what's funny. Like I, when I got up there and played Dennis that match, um, I didn't have no practice time on that table. I played Shane a couple sets for 5,000 the day days before leading to that set. And we didn't even play on that table. I don't think we played in one set on the go crown and one set on the diamond. So, which I ended up winning those too. But, but when I shot them shots, I want to say against him, against Dennis, I know that there's so much firepower behind me coming from him mm. that I can't allow myself to not shoot at him also. So you can't beat a Filipino if you don't shoot at them because they kick good. They play safe. Well, you know, they shoot a lot of right shots always. Right. Like, I mean, you, there's not many Filipinos you ever seen shoot a bad shot or a wrong shot. Yeah. If you did, you didn't see him in the States. Right. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's one of those things. They didn't get to come over here unless they were shooting the right stuff, you know? Yeah. But it's just one of those things. But yeah, I mean, like, I want to say when I was playing him, um, I mean, basically what I'm trying to get at is like, you have to be willing when you, let's just say when I'm shooting those shots, right. And I'm already playing out all the scenarios that are going to come statistically to me, unless I dead sell out by double kissing the ball that I'm shooting at or whatever, chances are the balls are going to come to my side of the table and I'm going to leave them in a, bad enough spots where there's enough balls on my side of the table, unless they get like a dead shot or a dead bank where they get to hide the cue ball or something. They're in a bad spot. Just like I am. Yeah. You know, I stay committed to the shot, you know? So if I choose to shoot at something, I'm committed and I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do or what I imagine that I, that I feel is going to be done, you know? So it's like, it's one of those things you, you know, a lot of people always say, oh, take a scratch, you know, or do this. I'm not going to go backwards if I feel, unless I have to. Like, that's got to be the last resort, right? Mm -hmm. But if I feel like there's a chance of me being able to kick out of it or put balls towards my hole instead of theirs, you know, I'm going to try, you know, that's my first uh, objective to do. Yeah, and, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head about commitment, commitment to the shot. You know, because yeah. that's one thing I can say is, you know, even times where it doesn't work out for you, it's not for lack of commitment. You know, once you make up right. your mind, you pretty much, you know, it, you can tell you're going for that shot, you know. And I think yeah. a lot of players are kind of tentative. You know, it's like, oh, you know, this could go right, but it could go wrong. And, you know, what if it does? I mean, that's you the know? thing. Everybody always thinks like, you know, there people always ask me about, you know, hey, you got any advice and i'm like well you know when you make your mind up just be committed to the shot you know that's all you can do because at the end of the day there's nothing nobody can tell the next person to make them better i can give you knowledge i can try to tell you certain shots i can you know i can show you i tell people all the time like listen you want to become better um you're probably better off playing me 50 a game and taking a big spot and losing whatever you lose or trying to win than you are just me giving you free knowledge and you have no reason to remember it. You have no reason to understand it because it's not getting emulated on you. You know, like there's no better knowledge than you getting hurt in your pocket. Yeah. Because that's when you know that, you, Hey, you know, I, I don't like losing money. So I'm going to 
become better. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, I used to go in the pool room. I used to lose fifth. It used to be the biggest trick when I come in the pool room. But I, I was the guy that everybody was looking for. When I walk in the pool room, like I used to keep money in my sock. I used to wear the long socks because I wore jersey shorts and stuff like that. And they wouldn't have no pockets. So they knew to look at the sock. They knew if there was a bulge in the, in the sock, they were, they were to come play me, you know? It was just, it was one of them things. It was just... You know what, Tony? I don't care what you say. I'm not playing you for 50 a game, okay? No. I <laughs> yeah, so I'm not saying to go play your local pro. I'm just saying, like, you have to be willing to pay a little to learn something and make yourself uh, try a little harder. You know, like, if you can do it, if, if you know, if you can only afford $10, if the person will play for $10, do it. Yeah. If the person will do it for 20 do it, you know. Do what you can afford. Of course, no person wants to lose a lot of money or nothing, you know. But it's just got to mean something. Take, it's got to yeah. mean something to you, make you want to try. And yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Maybe take a big spot, you know, and, and bet yourself a hundred or two and play a long race or something. Just say, I'm looking to get some good practice if you want it. I don't mind losing a couple hundred, but I'm, I want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Make you bear down or whatever, you know. Yeah. Who, who would you say has been your biggest rival? My biggest rival, by rival meaning maybe artist matches. Or... Yeah, like, you know, somebody who maybe, you know, you've struggled against or, you know, you always have to show up to, to beat them. Like, you know, it's just somebody, you know, a rival. The Steelers against the Ravens, Tony Chohan versus. I mean, it's got to be Dennis, obviously, right? At this point, it's really got to be Dennis because – the guy just shoots so well. I mean, there's one thing about Dennis. Everything he does is right. And I don't mean that by a shot selection. I just mean by when he performs and he goes for what he's committed to what the shots that he shoots, you understand? Mm -hmm. and, that, and, and, and what's even worse than him being committed is the fact that he's so good at it. You know, like he's when he's going to pocket a ball, he's going to make that ball. Like, you, you know, there's no, no, uh, there's no if, ands, or in-betweens for him. Yeah. You know, when he says he's going to shoot a shot with, with left-hand English, he doesn't change to right-hand English the last second to shoot it a different way. You know, he's going to shoot it exactly the way that he already got down to shoot it at. But he's such a straight shooter. I mean, you know, I mean, he sees those balls. He sees the angle so good. Um, he just, you know, just crisp. You know, I mean, the other person would be Alex, you know, and we're talking about two of the best guys and, you know, period, you know, anyway. So them two guys give me the hardest trouble. I know I have to play good. Um, I feel like I put more heat on myself when I play them now than I did before. What reason? I don't know. I can't it, tell you. I, it, I explain know. what you mean by that. You put more heat on yourself, meaning like you. It's you... because I know that I, uh, I feel like in my heart, I'm supposed to beat them. For some reason, I just, I mean, I don't feel like my offensive uh, abilities allow me to beat them, but I feel like if I was to pocket the balls the way they do, I would beat them every time because I do feel like I'll beat them to the shot every time mm. before they beat me. So it's just my offensive abilities after that. Like I don't pocket the balls as good as neither one of them, you know what I mean? So that's the only thing that uh, stops me, I feel like, you know, and and for that, I feel like I take the heat because I already know I feel like I'm supposed to win. Yeah. 
even so, though they're great players. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that I try to do with this podcast is uh, entertain folks. You know, any interesting stories from the road or characters that you've run into out there? Anything you can share with the audience? I mean, there's plenty of stories that I've came across. Um, anything PG-13? Some derogatory, some, <laughs> some uh, not so derogatory. Um, there's, I mean, you know, something right off the head. I mean, I've had a lot of uh, scenarios that have happened, you know, road stories. Uh, I mean, here's a good story here. I'll give you a good one. I don't know if you remember, like, maybe in 99, two, it's maybe like 2000, 2001, 99, somewhere around that area. Um, you remember the Texas eight that escaped or whatever? Uh, no, what from jail? There was like a, there was like a prison. Oh uh, yeah. 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 yeah okay. Where they, they escaped. Like there was like eight guys that escaped and I want to say they're from Texas. They call them the Texas eight or whatever. Right. Yeah. So anyways, we're in Tennessee of all places, right? We're in Oneida, Tennessee. And it was like, it was me and uh, my cousin and like two other guys. It was just kind of a, it was a weird thing. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't watching the news. I'm 19, you know what I mean? It's not like I got up and seeing what was going on in the country or nothing, you know? So at the time, um, it's like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning over there. And um, we just happened to leave a pool room. Well, I'm like 19, but you know, this is, right after uh, World Trade Center stuff, you know, and all that off after 9-11. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, and I got a and I got a passport ID that's been expired since 97. And it shows a picture of me with hair, you know, I, I don't have <laughs> no hair at the time, you know. Can I get that like picture? picture? Can I get that picture for the YouTube thumbnail that I'm going to put up? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it was like, I'm like, uh, the picture in the passport is like me, like when I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. Uh, and I'm like 20 at the time, you know, I mean, I had treetop hair in the picture and now I'm like wearing a fade at the time, you know? Uh, so I'm like, but anyways, it's like one or two in the morning. We're leaving the pool room. Uh, the plates uh, at, of the car that we're in, I think is Ohio or something like that. Anyways, there's like four, you know, four of us or whatever. Well, we're in a little, itsy bitsy town that's probably got maybe 500 to 1,000 people probably in it. We go to the only liquor store that's open or a gas station or whatever it was. And uh, we're just getting some food, you know, because it's late night or whatever, you know. So we go to go get some food. And as soon as we come out of the uh, gas station, there's 10 cops, 10 cop cars. They want all of us to show our hands. They want all of us to uh, let us check through the car they want all the IDs, this, that, and other. We're like, I don't know what's going on, sir, but we just left the pool room. That's about it, right? You know, long story short, they said, oh, well, we got a call thinking you guys were the, uh, part of the Texas 8 that were escaped, da 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 <laughs> And I was like, man, I was like, this is some dumb luck, you know what I mean? And I was just lucky, like, you know, they didn't trip about the ID and this, that, and the other. And Jeez. Just one of those things, you know? Oh, man. But that was just one story. But I ran across a lot of characters uh johnny ringo mark cavalier johnny ringo passed away i think a few years back uh, mark cavalier he's still around i mean there's been so many characters like i mean you know 
you see stuff in the pool world you might not ever see in life, you know, it's yeah. just one of those things, you know, it's, uh, but I had, you know, when I stayed in Houston, I seen all kinds of scenarios, you know, it was a, it was a happening town and there was action every day, you know, one way or another, you know, some sorts, you know, it was always something different. It's still one of the better pool towns I, I think there is for sure. Yeah. Besides New Orleans. New so Orleans is great. did you ever interact or play much with Keith McCready? I know he comes up a lot when I ask people the, the biggest characters and uh, we actually oh, live. Definitely is. Yeah. And did you guys play much together or, you know? So I, he, I grew up around in his era, you know what I mean? And he would come up to Sacramento and, you know, we used to uh, go to the horse track or go play poker and, casinos and stuff like that you know i mean to tell you the truth there isn't a bigger character that they get than keith you know and one of the better guys too you know for sure like if there was ever anything you could learn from somebody it was definitely from him you know and yeah. i mean the stories and ongoing i mean he played great too you know it was one of those things you know just a lot of fun um yeah i mean keith is uh definitely gonna be the one guy that's always going to come up and pool no matter what you know he's just i still talk to keith almost every other day you know I, I, we still conversate i mean he doesn't play no more which is i mean understandable you know he's living a decent life now and everything and you know so he's in a better spot in life period anyways yeah i, I talked to him right when i was starting this and he agreed to do it we just haven't been able to work out the technology so Hopefully, hopefully we'll get it because now I'm doing some Facebook video stuff like that's what we're using right now. And so yeah. the, the hope is now I can get Keith on here because uh, I, I actually used to live a half a mile from him in Washington, D.C. And so yeah. I'd play him a few times a week at different tournaments and stuff. And, you know, just, uh, just yeah. yeah, just a lot of fun, interesting guy, you know, and, you know, he was a great player. So, uh, no, for sure. What was your most crushing defeat in your pool career? Most crushing defeat. I'm trying to make you think here a little, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe I'm, maybe drum up a memory that you tried to forget. You know, the, I can't say there's like a most crushing defeat right off the top of the head because if I lose, I feel like I learn from it, you know, in a way. And I feel like, you know, you just, you can't dwell on things. I mean, like I played in that Texas Open this a couple of weeks ago. I dogged my brains out to win the match and Roberto went ahead and w went on to the finals and won the tournament. But I mean, you know, that's just, just kind of one of the things It just happens. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it, sometimes it might be the, the jitters, it might be the, you're not thinking right or you're not clear, you know, you're not clear on what you're going to do. You can have a fog mind at any time in life, right? That's why pool is so mental. If you're not ready to compete and and if you don't want to win, you, you don't, you're not going to win. You know, if you're not, when you go to sleep every night, you should be probably dreaming about pool walls or a bank shot or something. You know what I mean? Like when you're playing good pool, you're dreaming about a ball going off another ball. Yeah. You know, that's in my mind, that's the way it is for me. I, I feel like now if I'm betting sports every day and I'm playing uh, poker and pool or I mean poker and blackjack or something, I don't got no chance of winning pool period because <laughs> yeah. I'm not thinking about it. You know, I'm thinking about the bad beat I took or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things you kind of got to 
consume it a little. Yeah, so you brought up the Texas Open and your loss to Roberto. Uh, what a tournament Roberto had. Uh, no, he had a great tournament. I mean, uh, nothing to take away from him. It still took a lot for him to beat Dennis in the finals. I mean, that, yeah. that's a, you know, uh, a defeat in its own. I, I mean, think he also beat Alex in that tournament. He did beat Alex, yeah, because, I, yeah, I think that's how he got to me, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, I mean. Is he playing Is he playing one pocket at a higher level now, or, you know, was it an event where kind of things fell in place for him, or what are your thoughts? Do you think, like, maybe if I were to say, is he in the top 10 one pocket players right now, would you put him there? I would now, yeah. I, w I would put him in the top I would never put somebody out of the top 10, especially being Filipino, number one. Two, they run balls good. Uh, that's the thing, like I was trying to say before, like people say, oh, you're stealing playing this person or you're stealing playing that one. I don't like to ever hear that I'm stealing playing nobody because any good player can beat another good player any given day. You know, like if I sell out every time, there's no reason why they can't run eight balls, you know? So it's kind of one of those things you know i always i always say that you know and you know when people try to you know people always, like you know me and scott plans you know next week uh people say oh you're stealing you know this that and that. i said man i'm not stealing nothing i said uh do i feel like i have a slight edge maybe you know um but you can't never say you're stealing against nobody i mean anybody can show up one day especially if they've been a good player or or are a good player or whatever. If they can run balls or they can bank balls or they can, they have the knowledge they can beat you, you know, it, it can happen. Yeah. So I have a question about how you became this one pocket specialist. So, you know, I think I took the path in pool that a lot of players do where they, you know, start out playing rotation games and then learn to love one pocket and, and, uh, and do that. Well, the truth is, the truth is I've always played rotation when I was growing up. Um, it was actually my better game. And I actually played it really good. I mean, I still play it good. I, it's not that I don't play it well. It's just I don't enjoy it. You know, like if I'm going to gamble with somebody, I'm not going to gamble with somebody playing a game where it comes down to the break. You know, I'd rather see them beat me by, you know, doing something else, you know. Mm -hmm. so to me i just don't like playing the game even though i can play it it's just not fun to me like i mean i, I mean you know like i played in the texas open i beat jeffrey deluna uh, nine to two it's not that i can't play i just don't enjoy it you know i don't like watching a guy pull out his jump stick and, and jump a ball after i played safe that that close you know it's just not, that's not cool it's not you know, I feel like you should have to just kick you know or use your full cue to jump if you full cue jump it over Hey, more power to you. Like, I mean, I don't have no problem with that. I just can't. I don't like the little jump cues. I don't like uh, uh, it's just starting to become a bad, you know, you know, all these little gadgets, you know what I mean? You got to have all the little gadgets in order to, like, you know, overcome a good safety and all this other stuff, you know? Yeah. So, but, you know, this is kind of takes me to a, an interesting thought. You know, I've one of the things I'm trying to do is really promote the game because I'd like to see pool become more mainstream. You know, I'd like to find people who don't now watch pool 
and uh, get them interested in pool. And so I ask everybody on the show, you know, if they have any ideas. And a few people have mentioned, you know, the fact that one pocket is such an interesting game uh, that perhaps there's something that could be done with that. But the problem I have with that is, you know, I don't know many people outside of pool that could get into one pocket. You know, because it does take a lot of knowledge, a lot of patience, you know, to even it, watch it. Do you think there's a path for one pocket to kind of bring people to the game of pool? Or you think that's more still a rotation? Well, it's funny because it's like it's like I, when I played that match against Dennis the first time. Right. And it was a free stream, you know, so a lot of people watched it because of that reason. Right. Mm. And. Uh, there was people that were watching the match and they said their old ladies were watching it with them. And they said that's something they never thought in, the, in a million years would happen, you know. But it was because there were so many good shots, too. You know, it was a lot of high-powered one-pocket. It wasn't like slow pace, you know, and stuff like that. I guess the difference is, is it depends on who's playing. Like, every time I'm playing, everybody always tells me, man, I love watching it because it's not boring, you know. I'm like, yeah, well, I appreciate that. But, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess it's the style of one pocket because not everybody's, you know, no offense to Nick Varner, but when he used to throw all the balls in one corner, nobody wanted to watch that no more. And, you know, like three, I, I know I wouldn't like, I'd yeah. be like, man, I can't watch that. They're going to tick tack for a while. You know, that's just that, you know, it's a different style, you know, it's just, uh, for me, like I wouldn't allow the balls to get that, you know, tied up, you know, I'll just keep coming at the hole then at, at that point, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, one of those things but uh yeah when i played that first match you know i had people messaging me and that was great man like i never thought my old lady would watch and she watched the whole two days you know or three days and i was like i was like dang that's cool i was like i appreciate it you know you know that's but, something with that tony that you know it might be that if you've played pool you know and you're used to eight ball or nine ball and you see one pocket, it's just so different from eight ball and nine ball that it might be hard to kind of adjust sure. to. But if you've never yeah. seen pool or you're not really into eight ball or nine ball and you're just learning it for the first time and you look at one pocket, I could see how somebody would say, oh, wow. You know, so these wives that you're talking about that tuned in, you know, maybe it's because yeah. they didn't know pool from an eight ball and nine ball perspective or rotation perspective. And they were like, this is interesting. It's, it takes a lot of uh, thought and, you know, right. creativity. And not to mention, they might have said, hey, they're playing for $50,000, so maybe that's, you know, another reason why they don't mind watching it, you know what I mean? So, who knows? You know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, the, the gambling aspect's always going to overcome everything. Like, people think that, oh, gambling's frowned upon in pool. No, gambling is the only way pool even survives, to tell you the truth. Like, it's not it's not surviving because the APA is uh, – uh, collecting their $10 league play from each person and taking it out of the pool community. And, and then they send you a plane ticket, you know, um, they collected a hundred thousand from you, you and, you know, your pool room per year, you know, and, and they gave you guys back, you know, 5,000 flights or hotel room. I mean, that's not cool. It's not like, I, I you know, and I, I hate talking bad about certain things, but certain things never added up to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't, support those that are trying to support you you know yeah. but these people aren't supporting like and i hate to go off tangent with this because i just it's just the first thing that come to my mind when i say certain stuff like that you know like i mean i love to see bigger tournaments i'd love to see you know i love you know 
the derby, you know, is great. You know, it's even starting to mellow out because not as much action anymore, you know, as it once was. Um, do I think there's going to be a derby this year? I don't think so. Um, it don't even, I don't, it don't sound like it's going to be. I'm not sure of that. Hmm. Um, well, you know, you mentioned gambling and, you know, I think what we've seen these last few years is kind of a shift in the way gambling happens in pool, right? So it's not as much sneaking up on people and, you know, the really shady backdoor type of thing that gave pool such a black eye. Now it's, hey, Scott Frost and Tony Chohan want to play each other. There's some money right. in the middle and they're going after it. It's like a two-person tournament now. And I think that's yeah. better for the game, you know? No, no, for sure. Like, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, uh, I believe that people are willing to watch good players play each other because they can learn something from it. Now, you see a lot of screen matches nowadays with mediocre players and stuff like that. And then, and that's cool. You know what I mean? Like everybody get, should get a little notoriety, what whatnot. You know, I don't hate on nobody else coming up or whatever, you know. Everybody should be allowed to, you know, feed off the other person regardless, you know. But at the end of the day, I think it's really got to come down to, like, I, you know, I, we're waiting for this COVID stuff and see whether or not this state gets shut down again. But if it don't, I'm planning on putting on a big event here, you know. And the pool room, you know, he's he's one of the best owners in the pool room business, period. And we're going to try to do something, you know. And and he, he don't care, you know. He wants to see pool grow. He's always wanted to see pool grow. He always – looking out for people you know I mean, who's that tony who are you talking about um buffalo at buffalo's billiards in, in new orleans i mean he just uh got the heart of a gold i mean it's just it's just amazing you know so and I, I mean we like to do some big events and he even told me he said, he said i don't mind doing it. he said we just gotta wait until to make sure that we don't get shut back down as a state and all that yeah. which i understand that you know so it's like you know, I mean, there's still pool rooms shut down across the country. You know what I mean? Some pool rooms are going belly up, and I, and I hate even hearing it. And it's a tough business to even survive in in the first place. You know, it's just uh, and really, and I and not to knock like the APA, like I was talking about earlier, but you know, they're really some of the reasons why some of these pool rooms are even able to survive still. So there's like a good side of it, and there's a bad side of it. You know, I mean, you know. I wish we could do in-house leagues for each pool room and then just have them all compete at one time or something instead. That way there's not these, at the end of the day, there's not this big uh, Fortune 500 company getting all the money at the end of the day and only giving a little bit back, yeah. you know? So if pool room owners could do that, hey, great. You know what I mean? Hey, keep doing what you're doing. It's the same league motto, you know what I mean? Like you could, <laughs> you know, there's so many of these leagues doing the same thing. So why can't just the pool rooms just do their own thing and, and you don't have to have a governing body. You could just do it yourself, you know, and you guys make your guys' rankings as it goes. I mean, the sandbagging's never going to stop in the first place anyways, right? So I can't fault it, you know. So yeah. It's just one of those things. So this is, uh, you might not have expected this question, but what's the biggest spot that you've ever given up in one pocket? I gave a guy 18 to 2 in the break. <laughs> what? Did he have arms? <laughs> he was, uh, his name was Bulldog. A guy in Detroit, he was probably about 80 to 90 at least. Jeez. And uh, he was a really good bowler. But, yeah, I, I, he passed away. You know, God rest his soul. But, yeah, he was a character. 
Did you out, did you outrun it? Yeah, I did end up winning at it. I never thought I would be able to give somebody that, but I did. I was able to. Now flip it around. What's the biggest spot you ever received? Tell you the truth, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> like I, it's been that long, and I want to say probably maybe eleven seven or something like that. Yeah. Like I don't remember ever getting the weight like how people are getting weight these days. Like you know the JRBs getting fourteen four stuff like that. I mean these are, these guys are decent players. They're not like dead horrible, and they're getting big spots. Like I'm uh, like man, I, I, never in my life did I ever get nothing like that, you know, or even close, you know. Have you so thought about different... Have you thought about uh, taking on those poker players, or have you going out to Vegas and taking them on? It's funny you say that. I was actually one of the first people to ever play JRB at because when I was fifteen, sixteen, I used to play him. Used to give him ten six in the breaks back then. Hmm. Uh, well, I want to say yeah, I want to say it was probably about sixteen or seventeen, right around there. But yeah, I, I mean, he, but he didn't have money like he does now, right? Yeah. So I was winning two, three, four, five thousand at tops, you know, at that time. But you know, hey, it was a good score, regardless, you know. So, but now it's like you know, I mean, these other guys like Dennis and Alex, they done spoiled them with such big spots. It's hard to follow up that that spot, you know. It's just, you know, I don't know if I could beat him because the guy does play. He moves good for a bad player, you know, and he doesn't pocket balls too bad either. Yeah. It's kind of one of those tough things. So I want to give you a chance to talk about, I know you're you're doing uh, something with Game Tight with your, uh, your apparel and, you know, you do some raffles and stuff. I want to give you a chance to talk about that and tell people kind of how they could uh, – you know, get involved and be a part of your raffles and, and your clothing line. Yeah. So I, I do raffles on like high end full cues and Rolexes, you know, all kinds of high end, any, anything that's worth some decent money. Like I, I just do it just, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's a way that helps me to get from tournament to tournament too, you know? So it's not like, uh, you know, if I can do some things to help with fundraising, sometimes I do that. Um, it's just another outlook like uh, you know on Facebook it, my group is called have fun you know so that's just a raffle group um, as far as my game type clothing I try to push it as much as I can I'm a one-man crew so I have I'm the guy that's always um, you know I take all the orders I do all the shipping so whenever I'm in town you know that's what I'm pretty much doing so it's kind of like a kind of like a happy medium, you know, I try to like, you know, it's not like I'm selling it all the time. So I just kind of do it as I can, you know, like I'll get a big shipment in and then I'll try to disperse of it quick, you know, and then I'll do it again and try to do some pre-orders or stuff, you know, here and there. But, you know, it's not like there's a big margin for money in it. So it's not like I can always put my effort towards it. And it's not my, you know, if I was more, stable at just sitting at home then i would be able to do it more yeah but i got to do all these other things to try to make money to make ends meet so I, it's like i just kind of do it as a side thing when i'm at home try to push it you know get rid of the little bit of merchandise i do have it's a great name i really like it nice. and has it taken off people people getting behind it 
Yeah, I do get a lot of support from it. I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, a lot of people always say out of all the pool brand clothing companies out there, mine's the best material. That's what they say. They love the feel of it. So I'm, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm able to give them some high end, you know, stuff that they're paying for that they like, you know, because, you know, I, I, I love the fact that people want to support me, but at the same time, I do want to make sure that they get their money's worth too, you know, because yeah. I would want to take it just like if I went to go spend money on something, I would want something that I know is going to last, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I got a hypothetical question for you. So let's say that uh, all of a sudden in China, instead of playing rotation games, they started playing one pocket, right? And they were gambling. And, uh, you know, one of the big backers comes to you and says, hey, Tony, I want to take you over to China. And uh, but we need a team of like five players. And so I'll let you pick four other people to come with you over to China and get the cash playing one pocket. Who are you taking? Uh, and it could be anyone. Yeah, any four it players. Have to be American. Anyone, huh? Uh, well, I mean, I guess right but off it, the top is. It, it might yeah. not be necessarily the best players, right? You got to room with them. You got to jive with them. You got to, you know, you got to people you want to hang out with and uh, gamble with. Um, I mean, it's definitely going to be Dennis, Alex, Boosty. Um, as far as the other person. I would say it kind of doesn't matter with that crew. <laughs> it could be me yeah, and we yeah. make money. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I would pick for the probably the fifth person. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the good thing about being with Dennis, Alex, and Boosty is they all can cook good, you know, so, you know, so that's a good part, you know, uh, and they're laid back, you know what I mean? They know what it is, you know. You know, that's the thing about the difference between American pool players and and um, the foreign pool players. It's more of a job, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, some people just having a little too much fun every chance they get instead of respecting what they're doing and, and trying to make the most out of it, you know? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, this is our job. It is our livelihood. It is how we got to get by and, and, you know, and the door crunches on how older we get, you know, as far as how good we're going to continue to play too, you know, so. Yeah. All those things. So it seems like One Pocket is gaining popularity. I talk to more people who are interested in the, the game and, and wanting to learn it. And you gave some advice earlier about being committed to a shot, but from a preparation standpoint for those that are trying to get better at one pocket, are there certain skills or drills or, you know, certain parts of their game they should really work on to be a better one pocket player? I mean, I think you should always try to play the ghost, you know, play in one pocket, which means break the balls, pick your pocket ahead of time, try to run as many balls as you can towards your hole, you know, stuff like that. Um, you can use the L shape, you know, where you go from the second diamond to the spot and then the spot down to the second diamond and just set up, you know, all 15 balls and try to run them in the same hole and try to, you know, do it in order. Um, you know, there's little things like that that can help, you know, just because it helps with your cue ball control, helps you with pocketing balls, you know, speed control, a lot of factors in, into being able to do the drills the right way. Yeah. 
who would you like to play after Scott? I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, you know, it'd be great to be able to play anybody that's a top player, you know? I just, you know, I just wish that they were able to get up and play, you know? Uh, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, everybody wants to watch, you know? Me and Dennis play, me and Alex play, and at the end of the day, it's a tough match, you know? And it's like, um, I'm at the point where I feel like I'm owed a spot from one of them now, you know? So it's like, because I've lost a couple times to one, I lost to the other one, you know, once. So it's, it, I feel like I'm out of spot if I do play. But honestly, the person I do want to play is uh, jo uh, Josh Filler. Oh, really? I do want to rematch with him because we did play at uh, Roy's basement and uh, I did lose over there. But it was right, you know, right before he went back and he said when he comes back, we would play again. So hopefully that happens. That would be awesome because, you know, yeah. just, just the way he pockets balls. And... I mean, he's a great player, too. He's just straight shooting, banks great. I mean, he does everything pretty good. So, it's like I said, there, you know, people that I was stealing playing him, I said, there's nothing stealing about a guy that can bank great, pockets balls great, and knows where his cue ball's going. So, what is so hard? What is so, what am I stealing about on that? You know, so it's like. Yeah, you, all the one-pocket players need to play him quick because the more he learns about the game in the next five, ten years, uh, you know, he could be the best player on the planet if he really understands uh, how to move it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So kind of speaking along those lines, who would you say is the next great one-pocket player that maybe we don't know about yet? Have you seen any good, really good young talent that could blossom into the next great one-pocket player? I haven't really paid too much attention. Like, I, I, you know, because here's the thing. When we go to the tournaments, it's the same people always around. It's not like we're getting to see new talent coming and trying, you know. That's the only thing. That's what kind of shows you that pool's not getting the younger crowd in or these guys aren't stepping up to play or vice versa. But I'm sure there's a few guys out there that are – starting to play a little bit better but you know it's a different day and age honestly you know nowadays so it's it's hard to see who what is doing what yeah but as of late now i haven't seen or heard any unknown names really so last question tony uh who would you like to see me interview on this podcast somebody that might be entertaining and informative to the audience somebody you might even tune in and check out Richie Rich. <laughs> he still owes me $40. I, mean, I think he'd be a little bit of a character. <laughs> he still uh, owes me $40, Tony. I don't know. He's got to pay up first. <laughs> hey, well then, hey, there, there's your $40, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was, uh, I went, I used to live in Jacksonville, Florida, and, and Mike Davis was the house pro at Hammerheads over on, uh, towards the Tampa area. And I went over and hung out with him one time, and, and Mike was like, let me introduce you to Richie, and, and you guys can play some. And so we negotiated the spot in one pocket and he gave me too much weight and I beat him out of, oh, beat him out of $40. And he was like, Hey, uh, here's your $40. Can I borrow it? <laughs> and so I lent it to him and, uh, haven't seen him since, but, uh, no, it was fun playing him. He's, he, he's definitely a character and, uh, or even Cliff Joyner. Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, how's Cliff doing? I know he's having some health issues. Is he better now? He, 
you know, I think he's got a long road to recovery, to tell you the truth. Like, I, I mean, he's never going to be the same. I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, hopefully he can be, but I, I you know, I, it's a hard thing to see. Um, if he does, it'd be a miracle, you know, if he's back to where he's 100%. I don't see that. I think, you know, he's got a lot of uh, therapy and stuff to have to go through, and hopefully at some point it'll probably get better. Yeah, well, I certainly wish him the best. Uh, he's yeah. Great, great player. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's the thing, and and I and I feel bad. I didn't even talk about how great of a player he was at one time. Well, that'd be another person, you know. So yeah, I mean, if there was somebody that ever played as good as they possibly got on American soil, it was him. Yeah. Well, hey Tony, I you know I just want to thank you for taking this uh, interview on short notice. It's just we just started talking a couple of days ago, and you're like, yeah, I'll do it, and I really appreciate yeah. it. And I think that the content in here is excellent. I think folks are really going to love it. And so I just want to give you a chance. Is there anything, any final words that you want to say to the audience, uh, you know, about Tony Johan? No, I just want to appreciate, you know, I appreciate everybody that's out there that supports me in whatever ventures, whether it be raffles, the game tag clothing, or comes watches my matches, or anything, you know, if you're ever out there and we don't know each other, you know, hey, don't hesitate to say, hey, what's up, and, you know, drop your name or whatever. Uh, you know, we might be Facebook friends, but at the end of the day, I might not know what your actual face looks like, you know. I remember people easier when I, if I actually meet them, you know, so. But just, you know, hey, um, hope everybody gets a little bit better in one pocket, that's all. I hope that's your number one choice for pool or billiards game. That's all.